This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast that ever talks about AEW and the Elite Extended Universe. I'm going to nail that down. I meant to think about it this week, but I forgot. <laughs> I may be. Uh, I'm joined, of course. I've messed myself up uh, by my good friend, <laughs> Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, I'm Mike Spears. I am returning from my one-week uh Sojourn on the DL, not for me, but for the champion. He's doing great. Surprisingly, his stitches, Aaron, are almost already dissolved eight days after surgery. Well, like, that's uh, actually, I don't have anything to compare that to. So I don't actually know <laughs> if that's impressive. Uh, they told me to expect 10 to 14. And we noticed today that his stitches are starting to go. So, you know, he's still day to day right now. But I think over the next, uh, two days he's going to be moving from doubtful to probable on the old DL list. So yeah, hell yeah, Andrew, let's fucking go. He's doing great. Uh, he got to meet his uncle and his grandparents today. So it, it, it's all good here down in the Southern compound. How are you holding up, baby? I'm doing okay. I had a, a nice kick of depression today. That's just been a lot of fun. Been enjoying that. Uh, but uh, and <laughs> this episode did not start off in a way to help me with that. Uh, but we will get that. Uh, we'll get that opening down eventually. You know, we're yes. still it's still a work in progress. We're only the second week of that. You know, uh, that's, Mozart, true. that's true. Mozart didn't make the. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember something that Mozart did. I did take music history first. Oh, he didn't do his uh, funeral mass. He didn't get it right on the first time. But no, he did because. He had it played as funeral. So I'm aboarding here. I fucked this up here. We're both, we're both fucking this up tonight. Uh, that's all right. We're going to have fun anyway. It was fun uh, talking about the show in the Discord with our patrons. So uh, this isn't really a plug for that. It just was actually fun. It, it lifted my spirit. So I appreciated that. Uh, of course, Nate is on assignment this week uh, due to... Uh, he's on a special Thanksgiving assignment. So... Mike and I are here to hold down the fort. Uh, it's been tough lately. We've had a lot of, you know, one of us gone at one time or another over the past several weeks. Yeah, it's just kind of how just the confluence of things. Like I was a dumbass who scheduled my dog's neuter a week before uh, uh, Thanksgiving. And uh, incidentally, the week we went independent. So, you know, we have scheduled things pretty terribly <laughs> as of late, but I think we'll be back to full strength on 152 next week. So thanks for everyone for uh, bearing with us. And thanks for the awesome uh, kind of outturn or the outpour. God, we both are just <laughs> struggling today. I drove nine hours yesterday, y'all. I, I got up at 4 a.m. and then drove nine hours to Florida and got six hours sleep tonight last night. So I, I'm, I, I, we're playing through this though. But thanks to everyone who uh, has joined us on this new voyage to the independent era. I was, Aaron knows, I was completely blown away by my our internal projections on how it would go for episode 150. So all I gotta say is thank y'all a lot. Yeah, we really appreciate everyone uh, coming along for this new ride with us. Uh, I'm sure you already are, but make sure you're following us at Everything AEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Mike is at Fuji Heya. Nate is at Epitasis. Uh, all right, please subscribe to the podcast. <laughs> you know, I I've been saying this for 100 and probably 152 episodes, or what is this? 151. Probably 151 episodes. Uh, but seriously, uh, you know, we can tell that. 
uh, internally that people are like remembering, oh, wait, I wasn't subscribed to the, uh, the independent feed. So make sure you are. It's the only feed that exists now. So get in on it. Uh, a lot of people have, as Mike said, we're very happy with what's uh, been going on listener-wise so far. We just want to keep killing it. So subscribe. We're going to be on a better schedule, I think, going forward as far as when this show comes out on Thursday mornings. So get excited for that. And my other plea is to give us a rating interview on the Apple Podcast app, a five-star rating. Uh, some people are upset, I think, that we have gone independent and have left us a few uh, mean reviews. So perhaps you could balance them out with your nice words. I would appreciate it. We would all appreciate it. Uh, and of course, as you've noticed so far on the show, um, we have no ads anymore. I'm not saying we'll never have ads again, but we, we have no ads. Uh, the only way to support us is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite and sign up. Uh, toss us a few bucks. We'll give you lots of bonus audio, like an insane amount of bonus audio for uh, the price that we charge. So do that. You'll support us. Everybody will have a good time. Uh, okay. Well, we're going to have, you know, pretty much our normal show tonight. We're going to kick it off with Elite or Delete. And Mike, bud, you're in the driver's seat. So yeah, uh, baby, get us going. What was your favorite? Well, Okay, we may have some new listeners, actually, so I think I really do need to do this this time. Sometimes it's a bit, but I mean it. So we usually start the show off with a segment called Elite or Delete, where we basically just use it as a way to frame our favorite and least favorite things from the show, uh, knock those off at the top, and then we run through the rest of the show uh, that we haven't discussed yet after that. Uh, but we start off with our favorite things from the show. So Mike, what was your favorite thing, your Elite pick from this week? So I know that we potentially have new listeners here, so I'm not going on brand here, Aaron. I you, you would think that because my favorite wrestler, my two of my favorite wrestlers in the company, Pac and Ray Phoenix, were in the main event, I'm going to be all about that. You would think that, but I'm in the catbird seat for once. Which, by the way, that is a real phrase, Aaron. Catbird being in the catbird seat, I'm leading oh. off here. Uh, my favorite thing on the show, which. We'll get into how weird and how indulgent the show was in certain ways in the delete portion, but I got to say, loving the Billy Gunn push. I just love the fact that I was getting a chance to watch the show this week with my dad, and uh, patrons would know from the annotated Spears Brothers wrestling history that our dad was... Not much of a wrestling fan, but he indulged us. You know, I mean, he, he knew that was something that his sons were into. So he, you know, he was very supportive and enabling in a way which, you know, you could blame him for me doing this kind of thing. But uh, the thing that I really enjoyed was the Billy Gunn thing. So watching the show with my dad, he was kind of surprised and a little bit confused by a lot of this. Like he hasn't really watched much wrestling since uh, we moved out or anything like this. But he was thoroughly amused by 58-year-old yoked to the gills Billy Gunn just completely just going like this. He's like, this This is the same Billy Gunn, right? This is the same Billy Gunn. Yeah, dad, this is Billy Gunn. And it rocks. Billy Gunn's character now. And just like the idea of one, Billy Gunn was already an enormous pro wrestler. Like, I mean, even like Attitude Era WWF, he was a big guy. I mean, he was like, he's like 6'6", like 280. So, I mean, like he always looked big. But now in AEW with his shithead sons, it's just such a great act, Aaron. Like the Gun Club, like it's a perfect 
lower mid card heel trio. You have Billy Gunn just throwing people around, just looking like he thinks he's the smartest man in the world, which is hilarious. And then you also have, hey, you have Colton and Austin who are just absolute dipshits. And you have the segment ended by Darby just like one of the, they manage to always get Darby's camera angles like just right for when he comes in out of nowhere. And he just comes in out of air nowhere, wipes out Austin. And it just was like one of the more satisfying things on a show that, you know, I had a lot of issues on tonight's show that we'll get into in the elite portion, but I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Like this was like wrestling joy to me. This was a wrestle joy. <laughs> uh, classic everything elite that we have led off our first two independent shows with Billy Gunn talk. Oh yeah, Brian was all about this too. <laughs> yeah, so that's been our first elite pick on each of the first two shows, Billy Gunn, but. I really can't disagree. I mean, Billy Gunn has been a featured person in AEW recently. Hell, I, I believe, I can't remember if it led off or not. I'm sure you guys had weird talk first. But also, Billy Gunn was like the primary thing discussed on our, Patre our Patreon show, World Tour, talking about Rampage this weekend from the uh, Billy Gunn versus Darby Allen match. So a lot of Billy Gunn. And I'm also enjoying it. He's just... Very different. Uh, yes, he's 58 and he was never like a super worker, but somehow it just like it works because he can throw guys around and he still looks menacing and he still moves well enough, you know, that that all works. Obviously, he's always had a certain level of charisma. Uh, that's why he was insanely over. I mean, among other things, but that's what part of why he was insanely over uh, in the Attitude Era. So it's not quite like you know the the short-lived no more bs paul white push there's like more to it first of all his knees work he can move around so that's helpful but it's actually compelling and it's fun and they've built it in with uh darby who is obviously very compelling this isn't like paul white versus qt marshall we got darby and sting here hopefully we're leading to a darby and sting tag versus some of the gun club. Who should be the third person in the Darby Sting team so that the full gun club can get in there? I mean, it matters. Like, do you want to go young or old, Aaron? Because I have two options here. Do you want to go young or you want to go old? When I say going old, we're going old with this. I think we got to go young. You know, we got to match oh, up man. with the with the uh, ass boys. Ah, oh, man. Disappointing, because I was going to say Sean Waltman. I was going to say bring in Sean Waltman here. I felt like that would oh, yeah. great there. Uh, young, I think you got to go with a retrosexual. I feel like he's a hoodlum. <laughs> no. You got to bring in no. Anthony Green for no. this. No, Vito, Vito. <laughs> also, what you should have said, which I've been calling for since day one of this promotion, is they got to bring in Bart Gunn. I mean, Bart Gunn's still around. I don't think he's... He did wrestle in, like, Anoki Genome Federation. So, like... He has strapped it up recently, so. Well, he had yeah. the the very sad segment on Dark Side of the Ring, you know, in his. Yeah. He looked like it hadn't gone very well for Bart, so I'd love to get Bart a payday in AEW. Uh, I, I mean, the fucking roof would come off the place. I I mean, no, no I don't know. Would anybody care if Bart <laughs> Gunn showed up? <laughs> I, I mean, Aaron, what we have seen when people have tried to book off of Dark Side of the Ring, AEW has <laughs> been the only one to do it somewhat successfully. That's true. That's true. So. But yeah, that that could work. Um, Sean Waltman, unless you can pull uh, the road dog out of NXT. Uh, to... uh, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, but I'm trying to think of who else has been kind of aligned with them. But, you know, obviously Moxley is not available right now. That would be a lot of fun uh, if uh, that if this continues on to when Moxley is available to to wrestle again. Uh, but I guess no one else has really been aligned with them. That would make sense. Yeah, AEW Chaos is having issues. You know, I mean, Moxley isn't around. Kingston is dealing with his own group of shitheads lately. So I don't know. I'm just like trying to think of people off the dark. Mill, yeah, Mill would be really kind of interesting. That would be kind of wild. But uh, I don't know. It's kind of, they're in it like the situation that you're going to fill out the third. And I think that's really compelling to see who they decide to do this because that's obviously the thing. And they've done such a deal like i feel like they've they, they've they have a tendency sometimes of alluding to stuff and then only bringing it up like months later and be like hey we alluded to this the entire time and a lot of the times wasn't really the entire time but here it feels like they've been alluding to the trios so much over the last few weeks like death triangle uh the super click and then gun club so uh yeah danny in the chat brought up archer lance archer with them that actually, you know, that works really, really well because you have big versus big there. I, I, I do wonder though about like Archer. He, his health is okay, but it's like thinking about like Sting here. You're going to want to have like two big workers to kind of pick up the uh, slack with that. But I think you could get away with Lance Archer as the third there. Yeah, that's that's a nice idea. Uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. So, and as Danny said, there's already a pre-existing connection so that works out uh but i don't because i was trying to think if anyone else had kind of been opposite the gun club that it would make sense for them to filter in but yeah maybe archer makes makes the most sense so he right because he had the injury where he got the the bad bump uh and i don't really know i haven't heard anything about archer or like what his status is but you could get a decent little pop if he uh, shows back up yeah yeah i think there's enough there that to do that and it kind of gets over the thing that like now jake roberts especially after after pardon me the suzuki gun match like jake roberts now feels completely superfluous so like having him in the in the uh in the group and yeah you know you could do this in dallas too you know winter is coming i mean they've been building up to that i mean it would be kind of a little bit of a lower card thing but i think i would go with uh i think archer makes sense uh Thoros has tossed out Lee Moriarty. I'm never going to object to anything involving Lee Moriarty on national television. So, I mean, that would be interesting. And then you have the idea of, like, the bigger old guy and the two smaller young guys there, too. So, I mean, there's a lot of ways to go with this, but I'm really excited to see how this hoodlums versus gun club thing kind of plays out. Absolutely. A lot of fun. Uh, As I said on – did I say this on the show last week? It's just like – it's kind of a, a mid-card story, but it has something to it, which is fun. You know, it doesn't have to be the most important story in the world, uh, but it's getting some time and some focus, and I'm enjoying it. Maybe I said that about something else. I don't know. But anyway, this is it. Uh, all right. Well, then it's my turn since there's only two of us. So my elite pick, I'm going to be 100% on brand. Sorry, Mike. You decided to go off brand. Uh, I, sh- <laughs> I shan't do the same. Uh, my elite pick is... The TBS tournament match on this show, Thunder Rosa versus Jamie Hayter. I have said for, I don't know, years now that they have these like seven 
very good wrestlers. One of them should be in every women's match. Well, by God, they put two of them in this match. Two of the best women on the roster. And this is going to blow your mind, Mike, but they had an excellent professional wrestling match between the two of them. Uh, I mean, who could have guessed that they might do that? So that was nice to see. And they, what I really loved about this match was we often joke that when a women's match goes off the rails, the best way to, you know, keep things going well is just to start hitting the shit out of each other. Well, Rosa and Jamie said, what if we have a great match, but also hit the shit out of each other? So it was the best of all worlds. Yeah, it's something where, like, again, like, getting into watch this show, like, I really do like watching wrestling shows sometimes with either laps fans or people who aren't super into wrestling just because you kind of get, like, a different perspective, and I think that that's kind of really important when you are evaluating pro wrestling is you we get too entrenched, and I think it's something that's become even worse over the last few months. People who are very entrenched in their views and takes and kind of people parroting them versus, like, exploring what other opinions are, and... Uh, my dad loved this match. Like, like he was like, he was like fiddling around and he like, he saw this and he was like, he was like, one is like, okay, Thunder Rosa looks hella cool. It's like, yeah, Thunder Rosa is awesome. was awesome. thing. just like the kicks that she was doing and then Hater just like clocking her back. And it's something that, I mean, it, it's like shows the propensity of like, these are two women who will just throw and just are not afraid of like, making things look snug by hitting people hard. And you had that and you, you even in a way, and I think this is something that'll be, we'll see how this goes for Jamie long-term, but like you have the angle at the end of the match with uh, the attempted interference and then Britt accidentally super kicking her and that going right into a prawn hole for the finish. And then Jamie storming off that, you know, it moves things along when it felt like that in a lot of ways, like we talk about like Jamie hater, just kind of existing and just like, like introduced on the first week of Rampage and it seemed like, oh shit, Jamie Hayter is going to be a big thing and then never really happening. But now we have this now and we'll see if they revisit it. I think that they do seem to have like an immediate kind of storyline going ahead with Britt Baker that we will get into later on in the show. But it's something that I'm glad to see that they took the step forward and they were able to like, to meld like an important character work and then also like a, I don't know if it's this or the main event, like taking my pack bias out of here of being the best match on the show. But this one just it on a show that at this point on this show, they really needed to have a awesome match and they absolutely killed it. Whoa, Drew in the chat, uh, not Drew Spears, is saying that he's not normally a fan of Jamie's offense. This blows my mind. I, Andrew, I mean, this might be hard for us to chat back and forth since there's a little bit of a lag, but I'm wondering if you were introduced to Jamie in AEW or if you had seen her previously in Stardom or anywhere else, because I think she's normally pretty hard hitting. And, but I'd have to think about her AEW matches or whether I think she's been hard hitting here, but she's certainly not really, not she's really. certainly normally pretty hard hitting so now it's funny in this match even that first thing where she like slapped rosa and it was pretty weak and then rosa slapped the shit out of her and you could just see jamie being like oh okay (laughs) like that's what this is gonna be (laughs) got it i i love when that happens in wrestling really like someone like tries to do like a work or kind of slap or it just doesn't really dial it in and the other person's like no 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 we are going to clock and we're going to throw down here one of my favorite just like random things about wrestling all along with people you know 
like crashing and burning and stuff like that. Like it was just was like one of those moments. It's like, oh, we're in for something now. You know, it kind of heightened expectations and delivered upon that. That's been the thing here, though. I think like I think about when Riho first came in, and it seems we have a lot of people who are very seasoned in uh, Japanese women's wrestling, where they uh, often this isn't true everywhere, but generally they hit harder than most other women's wrestling. And it feels like they sometimes weren't sure. Like, can I do that here in AW? Can I do that in America <laughs> or whatever? And so you, you kind of, maybe you have to wait and see, but obviously Rosa uh, loves to hit hard, <laughs> sometimes harder than other people would like uh, from what from what we hear. So uh, this was just a good matchup uh, for, for both of them, really. Uh, since we can cook a little, since there's only the two of us, uh, I wanted to, I was going to do this when it came up later, but I'll just do it now. So here's what we got left in this TBS title tournament. I want to get your thoughts on where we're going. So Rosa versus Jade is one uh, semifinal for the tournament. And the other side is going to be Nyla versus either Ruby Soho or Chris Statlander. And they'll wrestle on Dynamite this week to, or I'm sorry, on Rampage this week to determine the last uh, semifinalist. So do you have thoughts about where we're going from here with the, the TBS tournament? Well, I kind of felt like that this would be like the right time in a way to get Rosa out of the tournament if they were going to go and pivot back to her and Britt because I felt like her and Britt and just felt like the thing that they needed to do for the title before Britt's title run is over. And it made sense that Rosa would eventually become AEW World's Women's Champion. So I felt like that this was like the first match I would say that in some part of my mind was kind of an upset in a way. So now we have, but now it makes a lot more sense because you have heel versus face. And then no matter what, heel versus face. Uh, I think at this point, It'll be very interesting to see how this plays off long term, just considering how they've handled her and how much they really, really just, you could tell how they, they put a lot of thought into her matches and her presentation. I think at this point, if it's not going to be Ruby Soho winning this thing, I feel like it has to be Jay Cargill. And I think Jay Cargill has to be, I wouldn't say a prohibitive favorite in any stretch of imagination, but I feel like that she would be the odds-on favorite at the very least. So I, th- I kind of think then you'd see Jade defeat uh, uh, Thunder Rosa. And that's a match that, I mean, like they've had that little mini feud. And then I, I just look at that one uh, that one quarterfinal match, uh, uh, Ruby Soho versus Chris Statlander. And, you know, no matter what, I feel like whoever wins that match should beat Nyla at this point, really. Because I just don't see, but like, yeah, I think Thunder Rosa is at a point right now that, I just don't, and I know that I'll immediately be proved wrong. I mean, we'll go back to season one and be wrong boys here, but I just don't see Thunder Rosa winning this tournament at this point. And I felt like that this was like the exit ramp here that we didn't get. So I think I'm leaning Jade at this point. Uh, how do you see this playing out? Well, the Rosa and Jade match is the most fascinating match to me because I don't mean this in a bad way, but how do you get out of it? You know, like, Neither of these women should lose. And they haven't really shown Jade to have a weakness to this point. So that's interesting. Uh, Obviously, you can do a thing where, you know, Britt has some involvement or whatever, and that gets them out of it. But I agree with you that uh, an easier way to do that would have been in this match to have Jamie go forward. And you can still build on that Jamie and Britt thing 
uh, with that. So I don't know. I'm not as convinced as as you seem to be that that Rosa isn't going to win. You know, they were playing up that she's 29 and one in her in 30 singles matches in AEW. Um, it's just there she is against Jade. That's such a tough one. As far as the other side, I also hear what you're saying about Nyla, but if it's well, either one that it's. I know if you pay close attention, it might not feel like it means much, but it's a nice feather in somebody's cap to get a win over a former AW Women's World Champion uh, as they win the the TBS title. So basically what I'm going to try to do here is not give any definitive answer so that I can't be wrong about it <laughs> oh, later. Has that worked? Come work? on. No, no. I, I, I put my neck on the line and said I think Jade's winning this thing. Give me out of your final five who you think's winning this. <sighs> I, it, it's tough. Right. I, I know. I, I'm just. I'm going Rosa. I think it's got to be Rosa. I don't know how they get out of the Rosa and Jade match. Uh, that's a very compelling match to me. But Rosa is just the biggest star in this tournament, and so I think it makes the most sense for her to be the champion. Yeah, and it's something that then you have a baby face and a heel champion, you know? So you have like opportunities for women who are baby faces and heels and even retweeners that it's like an open play field. It's not like, like right now it'd be very, like you can do baby face for a baby face, but up until really uh, full gear, it was difficult if you were a heel to challenge for either the TNT or the AEW men's championship because heel versus heel matchups usually come off really weird. So having a babyface TNT or TBS champion, I apologize, and then a heel uh, women's world champion, you have a more open play field. So it makes sense in that regard. All right, let's get into our listener elite. And of course, if you want to submit a listener elite or delete pick, uh, you just got to join the Patreon, five or eight dollar level. You get access to the discord. We have a channel. And if you're a new patron, I'll almost certainly pick your your later delete pick. I love to do it. So join us. It's a lot of fun. Uh, listener Rantmo, uh, their elite pick. The fan throwing Cody's belt back in. A supremely Chicago diss, Rantmo says. Yeah, no, that was great. I mean, I having explained like, oh, yeah, no, he has the weight belt. Why does he wear a weight belt? I don't know. Cody wears a weightlifting belt. Why is he throwing the crowd? Because he's trying to endear himself to the fans. Why do they throw it? back because they don't like cody anymore because he was rc cola cm punk and they have the real thing now just fantastic and then him i was surprised he didn't constantly try to do this and eventually like andrade was like no we're we're not doing this anymore throw it underneath the ring (laughs) Uh, and then he puts it back on just just tremendous just very funny yeah and then i mean you know easy for me because i'm down on cody right now but when he throws the belt the second time he just looks like he looks very perturbed. <laughs> He's like, "Look at this! I'm I'm, I can throw it again." <laughs> it, it, it's well, we've been saying he's Obama for a while. Maybe he's more like Jeb because that felt like a very Jeb, yeah, please clap kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of what the uh, if, if he's Obama, it is the uh, don't boo vote 
moment right yeah no for <laughs> sure for sure i mean he is like the most wrestling politician or the most politician wrestler we have and it feels like it's been a long time since we've had that and it's very fascinating to me like i find cody like fascinating i know that there is a considerable like it's not even like a swell it's just like there is now this readjustment happening with the fans i find it interesting i like seeing how this kind of plays out and as we see how it's playing out cody's not taking this as well as he likes to act like it is going for him i i don't think so i don't think he is um somebody you know someone will do a rant on their podcast about how that's just great character work i'm sure but uh i'm not so sure about that but we'll see we'll see where it goes i i mean like you i'm along for the ride so interested to find out what happens all right well now we move into our delete picks and you know it's just what we thought was bad from the show so uh mike what was your least favorite thing from the show? Somehow we went 30 minutes without talking about this. And I thought like to, to applaud us for us, you know, showing restraint, you know, well, we're not building towards the big payoff. We're not going to say this at the 75th minute mark. We're going to lead it in this. This is like Madison Square Garden. You put Bruno on in the middle. You don't put him on at the end because you want people to go and sell tickets. Uh, what the fuck was the first 40 minutes of this show? <laughs> like, just, just what the fuck like for and i said this in the discord but for as indulgent and for as like sometimes it feels like the things are are like tailored around cody they have never done anything in this promotion that is so singularly indulgent towards one person as a 25 minute uh cm punk promo and with mjf that was an awful promo just if anyone tries to say otherwise, I'm sorry. The fact that the that the biggest heel reaction MJF got was from yelling at the crowd that that he had the microphone, and it even made CM Punk one of the. I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say this. One of the top ten, if not top ten, top fifteen talkers in wrestling history, doing some real WWF or WWE bullshit, my, what was it, my jealous fan, like, doing, like, that's, like, real Chris Jericho shit here, and then it just got something that, it kept on going on forever, then he started doing Needle Dick, like, it it was CM Punk doing a Chris Jericho promo, like, a 2021 Chris Jericho promo, when that's not at all what's going on here, and yes, this is CM Punk in his hometown, and kind of the overall, like, base of AEW in Chicago, Illinois, so, like, your catering drum mini is your biggest star here, but, you devoted a third of the show to CM Punk versus MJF in a promo that just not satisfying, not really moving anything forward. We, I guess we kind of got CM Punk's uh, motivation out of this. And the fact that like CM Punk, like bring up like you're like a one trick running, which was nice, which was nice to bring it up there. Then MJF, I don't know what people think that are people that are like, Oh, MJF is like this great heel promo. When I don't think he's cut very many good heel promos in like the last year. I think that he's done like some of the most like like checklists, like heel promo, like insult the town, insult the wrestlers, call people pores, you know, trying to make mid into a thing in wrestling, which is just, I think it's dumb as hell, but that's just me personally. And then you have CM Punk having to indulge in that. And it was all based around CM Punk. And then he had a 15 minute match with QT Marshall that went through a commercial break. Just completely like perfunctory match that just kind of it. It was actually kind of remarkable. Like I felt like that QT Marshall was getting more heat than MJF during this. And at the end of this, I just couldn't care. I could not care about this match. I couldn't care about this segment. I wanted the show to like 
finally move along after what felt like an egregious indulgence first third of the show. They devoted a third to the sh- of the show to this, and it was awful. Well, Mike, we are going to be uh, in a very lonely place uh, as it regards this segment. Uh, I agree with you. I think this, and I'm mostly talking about the promo segment, I think it was uh, very bad, just really bad. And I know I've, I've seen a lot of the takes out there that a lot of people loved it. A lot of people thought, especially that CM Punk was very good. Uh, I think people who have listened to the show know that I'm very high on Punk as a promo. My thought last week was that Punk was probably going to destroy MJF in like a real sense and that, you know, him having to promo against Punk would expose his flaws as a promo. Right. And Punk really didn't do that in this segment. Punk really didn't bring what he's great at in this promo. I don't, I mean, it felt like when your favorite team plays down to the level of their competition, but it may just be you got MJF doing just a very WWE ass promo and Punk just fell into that, you know, but here's, but here's my thing about MJF. This feud shows what I've been saying since he came into the promotion that he's actually not a very good promo. He is confident. He uh, is someone who sounds like he's good at promoing. He like puts on the right voice and does a, a cadence that makes sense. But his content sucks ass. Like it's not good it can be entertaining at times but it doesn't actually do things to build matches you have cm punk in front of you there are five fucking million things that you can say as a heel to get heat against cm punk five million he does the ufc thing and you know that's fine you you pretty much have to do that although like punk didn't even respond to it really so i thought that was interesting that maybe (laughs) he doesn't want to talk about that um but you know mjf's whole thing has been hitting the lowest possible thing if he's not going to if there's not going to be a line about cole cabana in any of these promos then there's really no point in having the feud because uh that's what he should do but anyway at no point in this promo did mjf say anything that a made me more excited for this match to happen or B really explained what, what we're doing, like what the point is uh, of this feud. You know, it's kind of just doing the same promo that he always does. So I didn't get it. I didn't like it. Uh, I wanted punk to just ether MJF and he really didn't do that. He just kind of came with some canned, Lines. I think Nate was saying this in a in some way. I'm not sure if it was Discord or somewhere else, but he was saying that you know the thing that Punk usually has is that he's real. I mean, he's definitely Nate's also said this on the show, and MJF often feels pre-planned. Uh, but tonight they both felt pre-planned. This felt like a WWE written out promo segment uh, to me. Yeah. So I just I didn't care for it, Mike. Yeah, and and like the thing is, is it just felt like. You have CM Punk here, and he's like calling him the Miz, and he's like, "I intentionally ignored you." And it's like, "All right, like I can get with like that." That actually made perfect sense. Like CM Punk has seen like MJF's modus operandi, 
And he's like, I don't respect that. So I'm not going to play into that. And then he then proceeds to have a 20 minute cringe promo, like WWE scripted, like needle dick, the whole MJF, like just, it just came off as indulgent and insincere. It's supposed to be sick burns that punk gets at the heel that can get his heat back. And instead you like sit here and I just like, it just, I don't understand. Like you wanted to come out starting your show in Chicago, your proverbial hometown with your biggest star also from Chicago. And you do this promo that like, I don't get how people think that like MJF was like getting great heat here. Cause I was like, cause I saw like, Oh yeah, he did like, Oh, you look like a meth act. Look, he take a nap. Like those are comments of it that have been made about CM Punk. And yeah, he goes for a low hanging fruit, but those are comments that CM Punk that has been made for since I was aware of CM Punk as a pro wrestler. So like those are literally 20 year old, like things bringing up there. And I don't see how that makes it good. I don't see like how that does when I've seen MJF cut great 90 second promos. I've seen MJF like the promo he cut about like being like, yeah, y'all disrespected me as an actual wrestler. I'm a much better wrestler. And I said, I was going to win this match of a headlock takeover. And by God, I did it while looking and kissing his ring. That was an awesome promo. That was an exceptional promo that, you know, just did not feel contrived. And I think MJF really, I think like the big difference that we see is people that kind of like think his shtick and his modest, his modest operandi is good or people who see it as entirely contrived. And I think that's kind of what it boils down to here. And it's just sad to see, you know, one of the best talkers of all time, you know, have to play it down. Just like, why did he have to bring up the Miz in this thing, Aaron? Like that just... Yeah. But felt way, bizarre. Way too many WWE references, uh, and I'm not always against that, but it just felt like too much. It felt like after after Danielson brought up WrestleMania last week, we just kind of kicked over in that floodgate, didn't we? Yeah, it felt like MJF's audition for you know when his contract actually runs out uh, with AEW, and it was built around MJF saying all the stuff about how Punk was like Mister Raw Raw guy. Even though the last thing that we've seen, which was true, except that we just saw Punk go after Eddie in like a very different way. Punk had that pre-tape where he's like, I'm remembering day by day more about who the fuck I am. That isn't like referenced or, or you know. Whatsoever. No, Whatsoever. that doesn't come up at all. The only good point in this segment was Punk saying he, that MJF was just mad because when Punk showed up, the first person he went after was Darby Allen because Darby is actually the heart and soul of AEW. And, you know, that plays into the MJF versus Darby feud. So that right. makes a lot of sense to me. But uh, that was like, this was so fucking long that that was, most people probably don't even remember that happened in this segment. It was just a line that was thrown in. There was no through line. I mean, Somebody said they threw up 18 minutes of this on YouTube. Well, yeah, because what the fuck would you cut? Like, what would you focus on? There was no big moment. There was no uh, consistent story that was told through the whole segment. It was just, I mean, you say indulgent for punk, and I hear what you're saying. But of this 20-minute promo, MJF must have talked for 15 of it. I mean, he just talked fucking forever. Yeah, it just... It, and it's something that I'm going to be, and I know like that th they do have like kind of a strategy for like these holiday shows, just like the Wednesday for Thanksgiving show where it was like all about Jericho last year. And they kind of made it like 30th anniversary Jericho edition as a way to kind of, you know, 
goose things and also be able to, you know, tamp down when the ratings aren't great because this is the worst TV day of the year. Do they think that like having your biggest star on for 40 minutes doing this exact thing and kind of being not necessarily even an active participant for that first 20, 25 minutes of it, do they think that that's going to be something that's going to pay off well in ratings? I'll be very interested. I mean, throwing it up on YouTube in a full 18-minute hunk, I think that's an easy way to get uh, views per or, or minutes watched, to be quite honest, on YouTube. So, like, yeah, sure, throw it up in 18 minutes because, you know, people will put that on, you know, they'll watch it, they'll go make a sandwich, they'll come back, so I'll have it watched and, you know, you know, eats up time just as much as like the six hour mega cuts of like music gets gooses that as much on YouTube as well. It's playing the algorithm on my mind. All right. It's my turn to delete. Honestly, there wasn't a lot on this show that I really didn't, that I really hated other than uh, the promo segment that, yeah, you know, it frustrates me because I see like lots of people really loving it and I don't get it. That frustrates me on one level. And then it frustrates me that I, it's not like I don't love coming on this show and being super negative. Like that's not fun for me. I would or rather contrarian. No, I have no, I have no interest in that. I don't want to have a take just to uh, be different from other people's takes. I try to give what I actually think. I do try, of course, because this is an entertainment product to try to be compelling about it in some way, but I don't want to come off as uh, contrarian, but I think if you've listened to our show, you probably could have guessed that I didn't like this. <laughs> you know, like you you would have probably assumed uh, that this wasn't going to be for me. But anyway, it's just the whole thing is frustrating for me. Um, so there wasn't a lot else that I really, really hated. I'm I'm flipping through just to see if I if I missed anything. Uh, so I'm just I'm just gonna delete. Chris Jericho, uh, he had this <laughs> this backstage segment with um, 2.0 and Daniel Garcia. It was like, it's like, oh fuck, more of this, like you talked about, you know, fucking 2003 ass or whatever. Uh, Chris Jericho, WWF, WWE promos. This thing with the square head and stuffing turkey ass or whatever. I mean. This was awful. Can we get a break from Chris Jericho? Can he refresh himself in some way? I know he's super over, so there's no actual reason to do it. But I'm very tired of of Chris Jericho. And that's funny because, shit, there were times in this American Top Team feud where he was pretty fun, other than, like, the misogyny and, you know, that stuff. But I at least enjoyed the story. But as soon as they went back to this... It's basically as soon as Dan Lambert's not around anymore, uh, I'm just reminded that uh, Jericho has gotten very stale for me. It just came off like then he was like, everyone's making fun of Matt Lee's head at this point, which, you know, that was funny when Eddie Kingston called him a blockhead because you're like, oh, yeah, Eddie Kingston might call someone a blockhead. That that comes off as entirely sincere. And it just... Chris Jericho then doing it talking about you have a square head and then the obvious pause because he wanted the crowd to chant. I'm just tired of like the the obvious please get the crowd a chance. Like that just is something that it feels very and I've said contrived a lot. It just feels very inauthentic in a way to me. And I'm just like this and, and like the whole segment's like him like talk to Alex Marvez and going like Marvez, you know we don't get along. And I'm like, 
how are we supposed to remember or care that Alex Marvez has a unspecific beef with Chris Jericho at this point? Like how, like, how does that matter? Like what is Chris Jericho here to accomplish other than turkeys and calling big magic a blockhead? Like I, I, I struggle with that segment. Mike Spears also off brand as he did not delete the terrible production issues with all the backstage segments on this show, including this one. Yeah, I did. I, I saw that pop up, like people bring up the sound thing, and I didn't hear it natively, but also because, uh, actually, would, can I do a second delete here and just go off for a second? Sure. All right. Uh, we need to, like, as a society, band together and say no more dogs barking commercials on TV. <laughs> just straight I, up. Strong agree. Straight up, like that—that that should be something. Like, remember, like how there's the big thing about commercials being too loud in comparison to like the programming they're based around. Like, it's like these commercials—they blow out things, and you have your TV at a normal setting, and the commercials just come on. They're, they're way too loud. Like that, like just felt like a very like odd thing to, to necessarily care about. Stop having dogs barking on TV unless it's like a plot device. Here, it can't be pleasant for the dog unless you're like using like a fake dog noise. And it just, I do not know a dog owner whose dogs do not flip out whenever they hear barking on TV. Like, unless like it's a very tired or old dog, they will hear it and they will flip out. We're going to ban it here. That That's going to be a campaign promise on a campaign I'll never make. I'm, I would ban barking on television for TV commercials. Because it's only TV commercials that do it. Yeah, and it doesn't have any value. Like <laughs> Zero, zero. There's no value to it whatsoever, Aaron. Zero. No. You know, it's sometimes it's dumb. I hate it. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm getting really worked up about this. <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of things I don't like, but I'm like, oh, OK, like I, at least I understand why you do this, even if I don't like it. But no reason for dogs to bark in commercials. It's bad for everybody. All right. Uh, listener delete. Frankly, hard to pick one because most of the listener deletes were about uh, the promo segment. <laughs> so it's funny, too, because. Uh, I guess we're just going to, obviously, we're not going to attract a bunch of people who hate our shit, you know, who really disagree with everything we say. But sometimes I'll be in the Discord and like, oh, yeah, everybody kind of doesn't like this one thing. And then you get back on Twitter and it's just a different world. So uh, sometimes I guess I get in my own little bubble about things sometimes. Uh, but I will I was trying to pick out a different listener delete. This is one that uh, Nate and I both mentioned on Twitter. Although, you know, I, I think I did I say at some point I was going to stop talking about Bobby Fish. I don't know. But uh, patron Pat Absent uh, wanted to delete Bobby Fish. And tonight, if you missed it, folks, uh, Bobby Fish, who uh, once went by the name the Round Eye Samurai. I'm not making that up. You can find it. He's his tweets about it are still up. Yeah. And he did this not like in the distant past. Like no. this was something like leading up to NXT. That was his self-opposed nickname. I think there was a T-shirt even. So what the fuck Ring of Honor was uh, doing? Uh, I don't know. Yikes. Anyway, the guy who went by that very racist nickname decided to uh, make a joke about Yuda Wheeler's name. Uh, Yuda. I can't find it now. As I'm, Wheeler Yuda. I'm sorry. Wheeler Yuda. I think I said Yuda Wheeler on Twitter too. So hey, I, I I mean, is this because I felt like that Wheeler Yuda as a name, like especially like the 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 cadence there, could really work in a Pittsburgh accent? I'm not sure. I don't I don't really have a lot of thoughts about Pittsburgh accents. Oh man, it's the most aesthetically pleasing accent in the nation. I, I can't agree with that. 
certainly. I, I won't agree with it. Uh, there was this, well, let me finish uh, this point, I suppose. Anyway, I can't find it now, but I, I do think Yuta, I think one of, I think one of his parents is Japanese. I could be wrong about uh, yeah, that. Yeah, uh, to my knowledge, because I remember like him, because he went to go train at Michinoku Pro for a while. Yes. Because like, and he lived with family because in that region. So he is of Japanese descent. I don't know like the, like if he is like uh, Sansei or Nisei, but he is of Japanese descent. <laughs> But you you tie all that together and it stinks, is what I'm saying. It it just stinks. Just gross. Just gross. Gross. There's nothing more really to say about that. It's gross. Anyway, there's this TikTok going around uh, with this uh, young woman who had like, you know, a goth type look. You know, she's got black hair. She's got some black makeup. And she uh, shows this meme where it's like, when you look at me and it's uh, probably some anime, like goth anime character and it's like when i start talking and it's a possum playing a banjo and she points this out and but she has like a very southern accent you know so it's very funny and she's making fun of herself and uh i mean i'm from the south but that's just it's a more pleasing accent to me but it did make me think about that funny tiktok i don't think anything i've said about it will help anyone find it if they would like to see it (laughs) <laughs> but i don't know zero clue how to find it now aaron zero clue yeah i don't know i mean go on tiktok and type in uh possum banjo and maybe it'll come up that's just a little tip from me to you i All just right. like the phrase possum banjo that's a tremendous phrase it makes me happy just thinking about it I, they do this thing in in louisville uh where there are a bunch of uh pumpkins there's like a Fuck, where is this thing? It's like through a forest and they carve all these pumpkins and you like walk through and during COVID you had to drive through, but normally you get to walk through and you see these like, ah, fucking, I don't know, a thousand pumpkins or something and they're carved, whatever. Anyway, on one of them, they had uh, one year a raccoon playing a banjo and I just loved it and I took a picture of it and my friend Nathan, uh, I feel like he's not doing this anymore, but at one time he was learning how to play the banjo. So I made that his picture on my phone. So when he calls or texts me, I just see a raccoon playing a banjo. God, varmints are great. I love varmints and varmints playing (laughs) musical instruments. (laughs) You give me a possum, an opossum, a raccoon or an armadillo playing a musical instrument. And let me tell you, Aaron, I'm going to have a great time. All right. Well, I'm glad to know that. I'll keep that in mind. As we go forward. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's talk about the rest of the show that we haven't talked about yet. Of course, the uh, promo segment started. Then we had CM Punk versus QT Marshall. Punk won with a GTS. Do you have anything else you want to say about this professional wrestling match that occurred? It was a very professional wrestling match. I thought this was just... It was something that I'm like, oh, yeah, QT Marshall is just someone that, like, perfect guy for this kind of position. One mu- one week build, easy win, no doubter in Punk's hometown. We talked about that this, this morning. It just was something that I was like, yeah, this, like, felt like a solid, like, this is what you do for, like, a hometown TV match. And I it, it hit my expectations, and I was pleased coming out of it. Yeah, I was talking on Light this week, our, our Dynamite preview show on our Patreon that you know this was like a good little thanksgiving eve match they did kind of ruin the vibe a little with the promo first weird vibe (laughs) weird vibe but i got it uh and i 
I thought it was a little weird how much offense QT got, but I probably wouldn't have cared as much if it hadn't followed a 20-minute promo. Yeah, if this didn't make a tighter third of your show being around this, I would have totally been like, this is great. This is a, I, w- I would have had two awesome matches back-to-back. We have had this and the Gun Club, and I've been in a great mood, but I just sit through what happened beforehand. Actually, I just want to go back to the promo for a second. I would love to have someone come and talk with us and try to like defend this promo to us because I feel like we're off on the ledge. And, I, and if this isn't like me wanting to, this isn't like a debate me, you coward thing. I want to understand how this came off as good because I just can't wrap my head around that. Well, Thoros made the point in the Discord that this is going to resonate with the kind of person who their view of pro wrestling, like good pro wrestling, is really just something that is uh, similar to what WWE does, but markedly better than the way WWE does it. The 10 or 15% better WWE thing that I've talked about before. If if WWE was 10 or 15% better, then people would stop complaining about it a lot more. Right, though, versus, and AEW does a lot of that, whereas that's kind of the stuff I don't like. You know, there's a the opposite or a different view, which I think both you and I hold, and uh, I'm not, well, I'm not going to speak for Nate on this point. I'll let Nate say his view. But I just think we have very different views of what pro wrestling can or should be, and I think you and I even have very different views of, of oh, what sure. pro wrestling can and should be. But it has no relationship to what the wwe puts on television (laughs) no whatsoever i think i've said before the quickest the wwe gets to its logical endpoint of just being a content farm the better the wrestling industry is because it also would root out people thinking that this was good because it was 10 or 15 percent better than wwe i'm also just not sure that it was (laughs) 10 or 15 better like straight up like straight up i thought this is the worst thing to see in punk has been involved in an aew like i thought this this was something that i know you never really played like total extreme warfare but this was something that if you were playing that it would say like the i if this was my personal game and we're using me as a barometer it would be like mjf lost uh, was less over because of the segment cm punk was less over because of the segment i'm sorry i i i'm completely just dwelling on this segment here but i just I, I would love, other than the idea of, oh, this was like a successful version of WWE promo. Like, I totally agree with what Thoreau said there. I just want to understand it a little bit better because I just can't wrap my head around that concept. Uh, Danny in the YouTube chat uh, tells us that perhaps banjos or animals and banjos are having a moment on TikTok. Apparently, there, Hell was, yeah. there was one going around with <laughs> a bear waving to get a fish uh, with banjo music in the background. So, Perhaps God. there's just a banjo thing going on. The animal kingdom is truly glorious. Uh, yeah, I have to agree with that. Uh, speaking of fish, Jurassic Express and Christian were backstage with Tony. Juggle Boy pipes up first to say that he beat Bobby Fish twice. <laughs> Good little moment for... I, th- I feel like Juggle Boy has found... He's, forward. He's, starting he's, to, like... he's starting to find a groove, which is like quickly say one funny thing <laughs> hey and you know what he, he already has the looks he has the ability if he just has one good one quick one-liner in each promo that's a big step forward for him in my books yeah fucking jungle boy doesn't have to be the rock on the mic to be over you know just be so, funny yep uh christian says that their little their little trio uh marco stein is just gone poor marco 
I just I have to assume at this point he's not getting renewed and and the AEW experience for Marco Stunt has come to an end. Well, he he's at TV tapings. He because he's in the Sammy vlog all the time, so he's just not being used. That's that hurts. Uh, so Christian says their little team has great momentum. They feel unbeatable. He points out that uh, Jurassic Express are the number one contenders, and he knows they've been here before, but now they have momentum. That felt like it was like very much like almost Christian taking credit for them being good now, which which you know that's been something that people were like interested in is like is this going to end up with a Christian heel turn? And I didn't necessarily buy into that being an inevitability until this promo. Well, he did say, "I'm going to make sure you win the tag titles." Yeah. So- I'm not sure what that means. I I can't imagine them actually winning the tag titles. So I can't imagine a storyline in which he takes credit for that. Um, I guess an interesting thing would be, can you do a Christian and Jurassic Express heel turn (laughs) as they win the titles? I mean, I just don't see... Jurassic Express turning. I don't see Jungle Boy turning. I mean, especially at this juncture of his career, though. But that'd be fascinating. Like, uh, I'm going to stop referring to him here. My dad was incredibly enthralled by just Lucha's story. Saying he was like, his mask. What's the deal with the mask? What's the deal with the guy just going having the green genius? Like, Tony's <laughs> like, he's Lucha's source, and, and he was like, I know he's Lucha's source, but what's his deal? So, the, the casual fan radar, even though he's out of the the, dip, the prime demographic was was really illuminating to me tonight i love that and we have uh eddie kingston and as he told us last week uh, he was in catering so he's having a little piece of cake there in catering i uh, tells john moxley that he misses him and happy thanksgiving he gets interrupted by 2.0 and daniel garcia uh, they say they read the players tribune article it touched them uh but they think eddie is satisfied now he's not hungry anymore so they're here to help uh, they mentioned Mox. This makes Eddie mad. He gets up. Uh, Garcia throws coffee in his face. We got a brawl. This felt like another thing where we're just ignoring that Eddie and Punk ever happened. Yeah, it, it seems like, okay, they said all their beef. I mean, Punk tried to give him a handshake, and that, I guess, was like the end point was that Eddie's just not accepting that. Like, it wasn't, there's was no way that Punk could gain his respect out of that. But no, like the, it, it's like that match happened and never existed, and there was never that feud or that chip on Eddie's shoulder in a way, even though like the, the reference to Players Tribune article. Yeah, very strange. Uh, we went into, this was the gun club match, Billy Gunn, Colton Gunn versus Bear Country. Colton got the win with the Colt 45. After the match, Sting came out to Darby's music. Austin ran up the ramp to attack Sting, but Darby catapulted himself out of the tunnel to give a shoulder tackle to Austin. Uh, Darby's just great at throwing himself into people and apparently convincing people to take gnarly bumps off of him throwing himself into them. It's just something that like, like the great use of using him when he's not like a feature point of the show, just whoever he's feuding up against, he just runs and dive bombs and it's fantastic. And this is the production. They always get the, the production right on Darby's dive bombs. It's, it's awesome. It rules. We found out that the first TNT special event is going to be on January 8th, Charlotte, North Carolina, the battle of the belts. So is this where we expect the TBS title final to be 
No, they said the TBS f- title final is going to be the first episode of uh, Dynamite on TBS, which I believe is Newark. So three days before that. I think this is the second time I've asked that on our show. <laughs> I mean, that's what I'm here for. I, I, I pay attention. Some, yeah, I mean, you had to transcribe the uh, the punk uh, MJF promo. So like, I have to uphold my end of the deal. And you figured out all the finishers by yourself. So I didn't feel like I did. that. I had but, to Google how to spell Casadora, but... Uh, I did uh, well, get that. Uh, you, I mean, that's the anglicized form of Casadora. Well, you, I, you I did, did it. Well that's enough. what it, that's what people said. There's a YouTube video about how to learn how to do it and everything. Maybe I'll figure, maybe I'll watch that. Maybe we should just learn like lucha pinning holds, and we could teach them to the roster. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want any more. Uh, okay, but it's going to be a no women allowed at this class <laughs> yikes yikes <laughs> i'm tired of flash pins in the women's matches but that's for another episode uh bobby fish and adam cole were backstage cole says things aren't really going well for them but we're best friends this raises the ire of one chuck taylor he comes out with orange cassidy and yuda and he says uh we're the best friends actually and they get into it a little bit, and this set up a match that's going to be on Rampage, I believe. Yeah, just I, I, I just like the idea that the best friends tag team that they're going forward with is Orange Cassidy and Wheeler Yuta. Just you know, Chuck, Chuck got to talk on TV. You know, I'm happy for Chuck. You know, that's great. Now we had Team Taz in a conference room with Dante Martin, Leo Rush. I want to say Leo Rush every time I say. Leo, it just like it, it's just a compulsion. Tony Schiavone's there. Uh, they're trying to get Dante to sign that Team Taz contract they've been talking about. Uh, Leo says, "You know, don't worry about it. We're not interested." Dante stops Leo, signs the contract, takes chips from Hook, and walks out with Team Taz. I I gotta say, this rocked. We got kind of Dante like being able to show agency here, you know, like given like he's making the choice and it's not Leo Rush kind of just uh, just using him and like Matt Seidel in a way, not being heelish, but being like, hey, I've brought you along there like this. Like he's taking ownership of this. I think that it'll be interesting, like the idea of Dante now in a heel group. And hey, when, when Hook offers you chips, he's offering you friendship. And he took the chips, you know, I, I thought that that was great. And you had uh, Tony Schiavone being flabbergasted by this. So, you know, that this was like a weird production thing because this like what looked like it was like the bowels of the wind trust arena with like one like spotlight making the room look a little bit orange and team Taz's corner. Uh, it's going to be fascinating seeing Dante Martin as a heel or trying to play heel for a little bit. I don't know how that's going to go. I, I don't like it, Mike. I don't like it at all. Well, well, I mean, he seems like such like a good baby face. I could totally see why you hate it. Like, why would you want to turn him heel here? I, I think like it's something that I'm fascinated to see where this goes. I'm like, this could probably, you know, be rejected by the fans and they're going to course correct. I'm just intrigued by it. Like, I don't know if I would say that this is necessarily like a great move, but it's interesting to me. Yeah, I, I should have thought about this before the show, but now I'm trying to think about it. And I'll have to think about it over the next week or so. But people who debuted as baby faces were over got over as baby faces then turned heel you know are there success stories and i'm talking about early in their career obviously lots of people turn heel at some point but i mean you know a guy who's in the first 
Is this the first year of his run in AEW? Are we still under 12 months of Dante Martin in AEW? Uh, I think he did like one of the, I think Top Flight appeared on like a pre-COVID show, I want to say, but like think, maybe like a pre-COVID dark, maybe. Didn't they just, wasn't there just a thing that it was a year ago that they signed with AEW or something like that? Well, I might be absolutely wrong as you just proved. So, well, no, I, I just, I, God knows. I literally just asked for the second time on the same <laughs> show when the TBS final is happening. So, uh, it's very likely that I'm wrong. But anyway, my point is that's kind of, that's interesting to me. I say shit like this on the show all the time of like, oh, well, what's a historical analog for this thing that's happening? Because uh, I think that's interesting, but I'm going to have to think about it. You know, you think about like Rock, of course, is the famous one who couldn't get over as a baby face. So he turned heel early on, you know, and then got over as a heel and blah, blah, blah. But who's a guy that got over as a baby face and still turned heel very quickly? And it worked out in the end. Going to have to think about that one. If you have any thoughts, uh, let me know, because I would love to think about this more and annoy Mike with it. So <laughs> let me know. So I did look this up. I retract that uh, their first appearance was in Daly's Place last year. So I was completely wrong about that, and I apologize. So, yeah, it's just something. I don't, I don't think it's that serious, Mike. You said that like you said a slur on the show or something. <laughs> I, I want to make sure that, it, you know, like one of my least favorite things is just unprompted DM or unprompted like tweets or mentions. So I was, I was cutting that off of the pass uh, on well, air. I I'm asked. Well, I guess that's the difference. I'm I'm prompting messages about this idea related to Dante Martin. Uh, okay, we had the Thunder Rosa Jamie Hader match. Rosa won with a Casadora. Uh, Britt and Rebel tried to interfere. Britt accidentally super kicked Jamie, as you mentioned earlier. Uh, this led to Jamie getting mad and and pushing Britt. I worry very much that this is just a Britt Jamie match. Jamie loses, and we don't hear much about Jamie anymore. I mean, how much were we really hearing about Jamie as the heavy in this act to begin with? Uh, very little. So, right. Yeah, I just I want to hear more from Jamie. I think she's uh, very good at professional wrestling. Oh yeah, and she cut a great road to promo in the lead up here. So like, if they're willing to get behind Jamie, like, I think that that can only pay off. Another great point from our friend Thoros, who says about the Dante Barton team Taz thing after doing so many will babyface X join heel unit angles ending in the obvious refusal. You need to actually have it happen one time. If you want people to take it seriously, that's a great point. Oh yeah. No, it's totally valid. Yeah, no. And you even see more so like heel wrestlers joining, like turning face because like a friend helped them out there. I'm thinking about like Robbie Eagles and Will Ospreay and new Japan. So like, you don't really see the inverse that much. Next, we had Chris Jericho backstage with Alex Marvez. I talked about this. 2.0 and Daniel Garcia interrupted. They were doing a lot of that on the show. Jericho was mad about them interrupting, which is already the fucking story that you've already had recently in this promotion. So where's the whiteboard of story ideas? Interrupting as an angle needs to be on the whiteboard. Also, then saying you're mad, you know, the part of the feud is that you're mad that you got interrupted. It's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right, next we had Friendsgiving with Britt Baker, Rebel, Tony. Uh, Britt's mad. She's upset. You know, things aren't going so well, the whole Jamie thing. Now, markedly, notably, that's, I want to use notably, Jamie not present 
at Friendsgiving. So it's a bad sign. Five minutes after her match, she was so hot about it. You That's know, right. Made sense. That's right. Uh, so Tony also has to tell Britt that she will be wrestling one Riho on Rampage because <laughs> uh, apparently over the holiday, I don't know when the Jag, if the Jags had a bye week, but uh, Tony has had some free time. He was able to finally watch the Casino Battle Royale from All Out <laughs> and yeah. realize that Riho actually went under the bottom rope and was not actually eliminated from the match. So they're going to have a, a little uh, Black Friday match where if Riho wins, she'll get a title shot. Also, they kind of tipped the hand when they released that Riho was in the top five earlier this today. So... That's interesting to, to see that they kind of like threw this together. I think it's fascinating the way that they're immediately tying this into Black Friday and making this like, instead of being like, oh, she's in the top five, she never was eliminated, she should get a title shot, which is what they did with Eddie Kingston, which is what they did with Eddie Kingston getting the full gear title shot they have to do this year. So, and it just feels like, why not just have a title match here? Like, that is a big title match. Unless you want, you would think that they're going to build to that title match and save in the chamber. Then why are you having this match to begin with now and you're not building towards it? So, like, why is this a winner? Or, like, I forgot what Ring of Honor called this thing. Where, like, if you beat the champion, like, in this match, then you'd immediately get a title match, like, then the next show. Like, why are you doing that here when, like, you have the justification just to have an awesome match that it's very clear that, Riho's not winning this match, in my mind. Oh, really? Uh, our good friend Oaken says that uh, to him, he thinks Riho is going to win by a roll-up or some sort of flash pin. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're, you're not allowing them to attend our flash pin seminar. So, I mean, That's right. she's just going to do the one that she always does. Also, like, Jamie could get involved, you know, and help Riho to win yeah. or whatever. This is part of the whole thing about wwe plus 15 <laughs> you know, percent right like, yeah oh for sure absolutely we don't we don't always need this stuff uh but yeah so that's gonna come up uh then we had all right i was gonna say i had been noticing after her long absence that riho was suddenly on like every episode of dark and elevation uh, she was on both this week to the point that when i pulled up her dark match uh, Sarah asked me, are you watching the Riho match again? Because <laughs> she just thought it was the same <laughs> match. <laughs> no, she's just wrestling again. Uh, against, what was what was that woman's name? Um, was this Notorious Mimi? No, she did wrestle Notorious Mimi, but she, she wrestled someone else funny also, who is a Nightmare Factory student. Maybe Mimi is also. Yeah, sorry, I don't know uh, much about the Notorious Mimi. But, damn it. I can't think of it, so sorry, everyone. Okay, then we had uh, Brian Danielson versus Colt Cabana. Danielson won with the LaBelle lock. Uh, I've jacked the spelling of LaBelle here in notes also. And we had a post-match with interview. Tony came to the ring to interview uh, Brian Danielson. He said he kicked Colt's teeth out, found a tooth in the ring. Uh, next week, they're in Atlanta. Several Dark Order members are from there. So, you know, he's going to kick one of their heads in. And he says, all this is leading to Hangman Adam Page. Page's music hits. He comes out. And more WWE plus 15%. And Page says, Chicago holds a special place in my heart. I can't think of a better place to defend my title against you. Now, I didn't talk, I you know, on a 
first a week where there were three of us maybe, but a week where there was, you know, less that I really liked, I would have mentioned this because, you know, last week the story was Danielson refused to wrestle Paige because Paige wasn't in his gear. He didn't want Paige to have an excuse. So they didn't say it out loud, which I liked even better, but Paige came out in his gear. He's ready to wrestle. So Danielson doesn't have uh, that excuse, but Danielson says, well, of course you'd say you want to, uh, defend your title against me. I already had a match, you know, so clever stuff uh, again from Danielson. Paige says he's not leaving without a fight. Uh, since you've already had a match, I'll give you the first shot. He puts his hands behind his back, uh, leaves Danielson his chin. Danielson says, don't you insult me like that. Slaps him. They start brawling. Uh, but as Paige is setting up for the buckshot lariat, Danielson bails. So this match rocked. And it was something that, like, they did such a good job building it up on row two and everything that the payoff was incredible. And I thought that this was exactly kind of what I see, like, the fact that they were doing very intricate arm work to start this TV match, like, in the final quarter, the final half hour of the show was awesome. The brutality, I mean, it's something that, like, Brian Danielson, like, being willing to do this, like, this style, this very physically intense style, just comes off so well, especially with someone like Colcabana, who's not known necessarily that be in, to have done this style recently. And then the post-match stuff, I mean, as much as I was incredibly against uh, MJF and CM Punk, I thought that this was like a perfect way to build up everything. You know, the baby face pointing out like, oh, you had like this prerequisite of, oh, you're not in your gear, you're not prepared. Well, here I am. And you're the person who wrestles all the time. So, Let's do our title match right now. And I actually bought into it for a second, Aaron. I don't know if it was for you that, that he was going to say, oh, I'm not going to face you right now. I'll face you on Friday. Like I had a moment where I thought that. Did you have that? Well, my thought was, hmm, you're playing with fire here to keep suggesting you're going to have this title match in front of crowds and then you don't deliver it ever. You know, so that's definitely something WWE does. So you worry about that, but they're, but I thought they are doing it smartly where it's becoming obvious that Paige is going to keep saying he wants to fight Danielson and Danielson's going to keep refusing to do it. So, you know, I think that's interesting. And then ultimately, you know, he'll be forced basically to have the match with Paige and that'll be good. So, uh, I, I don't, it didn't occur to me that they might actually do it. I was just worried. I mean, the thought that they might actually do it was from the place of, fuck, you can't keep teasing this and not doing it. But they figured that out. Right. Yeah. I thought that they, they played off that and kept the expectations reasonable. But yes. yeah, no, I totally see your point there. Then we had a hype video for the Ruby Soho Chris Statlander match. Uh, you know, just normal stuff. You know, I, I kind of was talking about this on light that they keep telling you about the matches, but it just doesn't feel consequential like this tournament just feels like an afterthought no big surprise especially, yeah especially this match though this is the match like they've built this quarterfinal match up the most out of all of them and they made this one the last quarterfinal match like they were doing stuff building up this match before full gear and now they're finally doing it so like two weeks later they're fine so this match is being three weeks after the build that they're still running the same promo packages it feels like yeah it's just like okay well here's a match uh, then we had the main event, Cody, Pack, Lucha Brothers versus Andrade, Malachi Black, FTR. Andrade pinned Pack after 
Malachi Black hit pack with the Black Mist. A lot of ack noises in that sentence, but I think everybody knows what I said. <laughs> yeah, no, this this ruled. Like this was exactly what I was hoping for out of this match. We had Pack just not wanting anything to do with Cody Rhodes, which was tremendous. We had the uh, the the belt that we talked about. We had uh, we had FTR hair like randomly like popping like headstand head springs into this match out of Phoenix. Phoenix being incredible, uh, Penta being one of the most over wrestlers in this company. Uh, Andrade deciding to go dangerous like he is wearing like Garza Jr. tights he's wearing like really short tights for the first time that I ever remember him wearing the, that gear and I thought that was kind of notable and this match just rocked and you know Cody had the misfire against Pac so we might be seeing that at, I immediately felt like this is like oh Pac's going to get a win against Cody and then now he's going to lose right after like that was like my, my immediate reaction Aaron when I saw that happen uh yeah and 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 that was it <laughs> so. right yeah there's like no resolution in like this weird thing and then we had like jose jump into the ring grab his crotch like that was something that happened in the middle of this match for like whatever reason arn anderson and Tolly. like it just it was very much like everything is happening in this match but it was like on the right side of it in my mind yeah it was a lot of fun uh, i was just I like to find things that annoy me. Also, people who've listened to our show for a long time know that. But it's like, man, Malachi Black was so freaking hot when he first came in and had the the Cody feud. And now he's just like another guy in this whatever, this weird connection of things that's going on that's leading to all this. You know, basically this way to try to make Cody not get booed. They keep trying to figure out ways to do that, but it doesn't work. And it's like, damn. Malachi Black felt like a big, huge star there for a bit. And that's just, obviously, it's not gone. He can, they can get it back. But I just, I'm the kind of guy that when you hit on something, I just like to roll with it, man, and see how far I can take it. And uh, Tony Khan doesn't seem to agree. <laughs> you do not leave the craps table. No, God, no, no. I, I'm the kind of guy, so when I'm playing craps, I'm going to have a, a number in my head that I'm I'm willing to lose, you know, when I start. Then when I get up, I'm going to have a number in my head that like when I get back down to this number, I'm walking away and I and I just do. So I'm going to keep rolling as, as long as I can. I would have done that with with Malachi Black. And uh, until, you know, the the crowd stopped responding the way I wanted them to, uh, then I'd find something else. But I just maybe. I guess sometimes I just worry that you won't be able to recreate something. So maybe that just comes out of my own anxieties that I'm like, well, I got this now. I should, I should go with it right now. Um, so maybe that's part of it, but, and I know it can be sweet. You know, the page thing obviously showed that, uh, you can have kind of a sweet payoff if you, if you wait for it a little bit, but I just worry sometimes that he doesn't go with things when they're hot, like Sammy Guevara, right? He, he felt very big when that whole thing was happening. Uh, with the inner circle and now he's like uh, not very over as tnt champion i don't think so uh, sometimes i'm right sometimes i'm wrong that's the nature of life yeah <laughs> I, I i had like a craps thing that was going to kind of tie together with it but it did not work but sometimes sometimes you craps out sometimes you know you keep it rolling there we go <laughs> all right uh well that was dynamite for this week 
Uh, if you want to support our show, like I talked about earlier, the best way to do so is over at patreon.com slash everything elite. It's been a very good month over at the Patreon. Uh, and by that, I mean, you know, people, we got new people joining, but also we've had a lot of good content. Of course, we had all the full gear content. We do light every week where we preview dynamite, talk about dark and elevation. Usually we didn't get a chance to this morning, but we often do. And Nate does the BTE quick hits. Uh, we also do a show almost every weekend, every weekend, unless something crazy happens. We do world tour about rampage. I think we really just skipped it because of, uh, full gear and the way that that all turned out. Uh, but normally we're going to do those talk about rampage. Uh, so we'll do that. Even this weekend, we'll have that. Um, I'm cooking on a show, Mike for, for December. Okay. I'm cooking on a show. As you know, the Christmas AEW show is going to be at the Greensboro Coliseum. One of my favorite arenas in the world. To be there, fair. there is another very notable show that occurred at the Greensboro Coliseum, and I'm not just going to like review that show or whatever, but I, I'm working on a show talking more about the landscape of, of pro wrestling around when that show occurred, and uh, I think... I've had a lot of fun putting it together so far, putting together my notes and research and stuff. So I think it's going to be fun, but I'm planning to have that ready uh, to go sometime before the AEW show in the Greensboro Coliseum. You're going to leave it. Well, there's a lot of shows around the Greensboro Coliseum. So I think I was going to say, you're not going to say what show you're talking about. I think I know which one you're talking about just off the top of my head here. But I think that that's, I, I love this kind of stuff, like talking about like whatever, where the world was at. And I feel like that that's something that, you know, especially given if this is the show I'm thinking of that I think is, will be very fascinating. Something that I don't think gets covered a lot, you know, so I'm really stoked to hear it. Big cat. Yeah, that's going to be fun, and I don't I don't necessarily want to tease this because I brought it up in the chat and uh, nobody said anything, but we usually do a year-end award show, so I anticipate we will do that at some point Right. Yeah. in the month it's of just, December. Yeah, I, I mean, it'll be our third straight awards. I mean, we have to see if uh, we, we have a couple categories that we might have to like officially retire people in them because they've won it three years in a row yeah. just so that other people get shots. That's, that's a good point. Uh, we also have a Discord, as I've mentioned, that to me... I mean, yes, our podcasts are great, but to me, one of the best parts of our Patreon is the Discord. It's a really nice community, and it's fun to chat in there, so uh, you should come check it out. Well, if you join, there's this very strange thing where it uh, tells us to wave, and you hit a button, and it these crazy little <laughs> motherfuckers pop up, so come join the Discord for that, really. You just want to like not get the bird or the robot, basically. Yeah. Everyone wants to get the puppy dog. The puppy dog's yes. the best, uh, the best welcomer. Yeah, no, th- no, our Discord rocks. It actually is something that I have found myself very much cherishing over the last ever since like installing it. It's a very, I'll say this like, there's a lot of Discord servers that are just fast and frantic, and you know, it has a like a huge community, but it's a nice thing that like our Discord grows and it still has like a very like core chill vibe very like it's a very pleasant place and it's there's always stuff kind of going on there and it's not like overwhelming or repairing where like you join a discord server and there's like 80 channels and things are going fast and frantic this is it's a cool place to hang out and no assholes and it's great yes if someone were an asshole we'd just kick them out unless it's me of course (laughs) uh this weekend on rampage 
there it's you know filming i assume tonight there at the Wintrust arena we got brit versus riho we got orange cassidy and wheeler yuda versus adam cole and bobby fish was there one more match announced that i missed uh they're gonna i think there should be one more match i have not seen it from when we sat down so maybe uh they did say that at least for dynamite tony khan will be announcing more matches as we get closer to it well he's going to be announcing them on rampage i think oh well there we go yeah fuck me big news and then next week on dynamite which we'll talk about uh, on our next episode they'll be in duluth georgia and it will be the only match i think that we know about so far is chris tatlander versus ruby soho yeah, that was the only match I noticed, and I assume that they're going to be trying. Like, maybe Hangman Page stops uh, uh, Alan Angels from getting his head kicked in. You know, th- th- that was a definite tease there. So, will be interesting. Uh, I like the fact that you have the entire schedule coming up here, and <laughs> it's something that I did not realize until actually in the middle of the show. We are so close to that UBS Long Island show where where WWE Raw is like selling like six thousand tickets, and AEW might do a uh, super no vacancy full house yeah i sometimes i don't know just get in a mood right because I, I always make the bones for the next show's notes right after right we record and sometimes I, well i think i'd run out of shows i think i'd just done it to full gear before so i'd run out of shows so i just went on AEW's website and filled in the rest of the shows but something i've been thinking about as related to that patreon show that i'm working on is uh i want to make I want to put together a spreadsheet that tracks all the places. I mean, this would be very easy from cage match or whatever, but all the places AEW has been and how they've done in those markets, and especially versus uh, what WWE does in those markets. Like, I think right. that's interesting because, I mean, I'm going to talk about that much more length on that Patreon show, but you know, the history, the modern history of pro wrestling is really all about expanding into other people's markets or expanding into markets that other people have had success in and either succeeding or failing at that. Now, markets aren't quite the same as they as they were in, you know, the 70s and 80s. Uh, sometimes the market is national television, you know, as as it mostly is now. But I still think there's things you can learn from the way they perform in certain cities. Oh, for sure, for sure, especially looking into Greensboro. That's such a fascinating place and, you know, fascinating era there. And I mean, the fact that like you see these places pop up and it's like Duluth, Georgia, like this is their first return to Georgia since the Wardlow cage match, like Atlanta. So that's all going to be real interesting to see and see compare and contrast for that as well. So I'll, that that's fascinating data to me. I'll be interested to see if you pull that out. Yeah, and they'll be running a lot of North Carolina here coming up greensboro charlotte yeah, and man. raleigh all within a month so and and to be fair like duluth like atlanta like atlanta to charlotte's only three and a half hours so i mean they are running the southeast and they're running daily's place ended out the year so i mean they with the exception of like going back to orlando and miami and i don't think they'll go back to miami anytime soon considering they've already ran it twice since returning to tour they've really kind of hyper focused in the southeast uh, the tri-state area, and then Chicagoland. Yeah, I think, you know, they still haven't run out west, right? So uh, there's, that's also interesting. Or Toronto. Yeah, well, I think COVID probably played into some of not leaving the, uh, not leaving the states. I know they certainly have claimed at least they want to go to London. 
So that'll be interesting. But yeah, it it almost is um, AEW when you when you think about it, almost is like a territory. <laughs> you know, like they have yeah. very specific places they focus on. Uh, because when you look back at the old territories, they weren't as hyper-focused in one location as uh, the way we kind of talk about them nowadays. You know, there were they were pretty big. A lot of times, the the more successful territories were pretty big. So it's uh, AEW is kind of like that in a lot of ways. I mean, we have to discover what's going to be like the really random like NWA or Jim Crockett running Ohio, like them becoming the inheritor of the Ohio territory. Like, like when you see what the, like, what is going to be like that, is that going to be doing like a random show in Boise? Well, they need to, because Darby, of course, as you know, is the, the third best wrestler in Idaho. So that's correct. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's it. Uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter at everything. AEW. I'm at Aaron, like the car. Mike is at Fuji. Hey, Nate is at Epitasis. Subscribe, please, please, please subscribe five-star rating and review, please, please, please. And head over to patreon.com slash everything elite and uh, sign up. A lot of good stuff. So uh, that's it uh, for Mike, for the on assignment, Nate. I'm Aaron, and we will see you next week. Okay.